we do celebrate Jesus Christ, don't we? Right? We, I pray that you would have an attitude, I hate this cliche, but you have an attitude of gratitude, right? That sounds very cliche, but I pray that you would have excitement. I pray that your heart would beat just a little bit, that people go, why are you so excited today? Why are you doing, what, what, why do you have that glow on your face? Was it because you ate a little too much grease or something? I don't know. But, you, no, it's because I have a reason to be here right now. I have a reason to be not in bed right now. I have a reason, you know, even in the middle of, if I have, I don't have it, but if I have depression or if I am struggling a little bit or if I have a bad attitude, even in the middle of all that, guess what? We can still have reason for hope. Sometimes there's a lie that Christians, if you're a Christian, real Christians don't struggle. Okay, I believed that when I was first a Christian. And the first time that I was tempted to do wrong after I became a Christian, I think it was on the way home, right, from after the service. I was in the van and my sister was bugging me and I was like, pulled her hair. So I don't remember. I'm making that up. But something like that. And I realized that, it, am, I, am I not a Christian? And I had to be taught later on that, no, like this is a battle. This is a tug of war going on. And you can be victorious, and you are victorious, but you're going to fight for it the rest of your life. Okay? That will free some of us right there to know that you're not alone with this tug of war going on in your heart. And so, because Jesus is alive, you are truly alive. Now, every single one of us, I hate, some people don't want to face the, the D word, death. Every single one of us will die at some point. You can't guarantee when that's going to be. For some of us, we might have a deathbed experience. For some of us, it might happen like that. You can't guarantee that. So we might as well deal with it right now that Jesus makes us alive, but we will die at some point. But death doesn't get the final answer. It doesn't get, that's not it. The end is death. Guess what? It's not that. God has made us alive, and so we will live forever with him. How long is forever? Like, I'm 40, I just turned 42, and I just had someone at the store tell me I was a baby. Is that true? Because I don't feel like it. Right? I've noticed in the mirror as I'm driving, I have a little bit more gray hair than I used to have. Not a lot. I'm blessed that way. I know people got gray hair when they were in college, and I know a guy I was really good friends with, he's bald. Like, really? I mean, you're too old to be bald. And he was like 20-something when he got bald. So I, I'm still blessed. But... um. I'm 42 years old, and some days it's been quick. Like, wow, I can't believe it's already April 2023. I'm going to blink, it's going to be Christmas. I'm going to blink, it's going to be 2030. Scary. But eternity, take that times infinity. That's forever. And so wouldn't it be worth our time just to take a moment of our time of the year? Maybe every day say yes to Jesus Christ. You have nothing to lose. You have everything to gain. Okay? You, people, I don't want to give my life to Christ because he's gonna, he's gonna, he robs me of my fun. Really? Like, I want to be wasted all weekend and, and wake up in my own vomit and that's fun? Like, no, that's not fun. Jesus, he defines fun. He defines joy. He radiates joy. And the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. And guess what? He has risen, he's raised you to brand new life. Look at Romans 8, 11. I love this verse. 
this verse popped in my head as I was doing this sermon, uh, as I was preparing for it. It said, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, he lives in you. Say, he lives in me. Okay? Some of us didn't say it because you don't believe it. Let's say it like we really mean it. He lives in me. Because, see, some of us are like, I don't believe that because I'm a sinner. Absolutely. Right? I'm a sinner. How many of us are not sinners? I tried to trick you there. Right? We all know it. And it doesn't have a little asterisk. He lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. How many of us need the life of the Holy Spirit right now? Because he's still doing that. He doesn't just raise your life one time and it's at the altar back in October of 1996. He raised me life every single day. Okay? I need it. I need a Monday morning resurrection. Right? Tomorrow I'm going to need it. Believe me, I'm going to be like a walking dead person and the Lord needs to sends like like as the Jesus revolution movie said Jesus what did he say the spirit juice <laughs> spirit juice that was a hippie that said that um and it brought the car back to life it was dead have you ever seen it that movie is hilarious anyway but i love that i love this because the same spirit that raised christ from the dead nobody would deny that it's power the power of that but your life is no different you might not have died and been in a tomb but God has risen you to life, right? And so I pray that this would be life-changing. I pray that not only would you receive forgiveness of sin, not only would you receive the spirit that changes your life, but that you would realize that you have found a home in the church, okay? That there is the reason for this. People ask me all the time to try to get out of it. Do you have to go to church to go to heaven? And it's almost like a trick question. They want to trip, trip me up. They want to say, they want me to give them permission not to show up. And I say, to be fair, I don't believe you have to go to church to, to, to go to heaven. Someone's going to leave right now. Like, okay, I'm out of here. Okay. No, no, no. But is it beneficial to you? Absolutely. Because you have found a home. So my question is, and this is a big, what's the big deal about Easter? What's the big deal about Easter? People dress up. How many of us, when you were growing up, you got a new Easter outfit? Do you still get that? How many are, how many of us are wearing new clothes right now? There's not a trip. Nobody? Okay, maybe it's not as. Back in the day, my, we didn't go to church, not even on Easter. We weren't Easter and Christian, uh, Christmas, um, church people. We didn't go to church. But on Easter, we woke up. My mom, my mom, not my dad, my mom made me wear the brand new, 1980s bright, uh, maybe pastel, but bright, neon, pastel, whatever, clothes. And we got into the van and we drove down to Chehalis, no, Centralia or Buckley, Washington. Either one of those, we had family that lived there. And we had at the Grange Hall in Buckley and over at the park in Centralia or Chehalis, I can't, it, it kind of make, I can't remember what city, which one it was. It was one of those. We would go there and we would have a nice dinner. We'd get to see all of the family. One was my dad's side of the family. One was my mom's side of the family. One was the Bremer side of the family. The other was the Mullins side of the family. We had fun, but we dressed up in a brand new clothes. And we, we hated it. Me, not, my, not my mom. My mom loved it. She would say, okay, everybody smile. Let's take a picture, right? And hopefully it turned out. It wasn't like the phone that you could just take a new one. 
you had to wait a little bit before you could see if it worked out. Usually it was blurry, okay, because one of us was sticking out a tongue or doing this or bunny ears. I still do that. But what's the big deal about Easter? Why? 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 Is, it, is it so people go to church? Is it about a big meal? Now, I'm not against a big meal. I'm not a, against more people at church. I am not against clothes, okay? I wear them every day, okay? But what is the big deal? Even as Christians, we can miss the whole meaning behind Easter, and we, we know the story, but we have refused to continue on allowing the story to get into us, to change us. And so there's a few people here I want to recognize here that might be watching online, or you're here right in the building. Congratulations, you're here, right? But there's a few people. There's Christians. There's non-Christians who you don't buy into things. The only reason you're here is someone made you. That was me 25 years ago. I had to go to church because my mom threw my, my behind in the van. I had to. I had no choice, okay? That's some of us. That's okay, okay? Then there's a third person that you know and have a knowledge of Jesus, but you don't quite know if you've personalized it, that you made the decision to say yes to Jesus. So for the Christians, I pray that this would be the the Easter story, the resurrection story, the gospel would be a good reminder. What About what? That God is good. Life's not good, oftentimes. Okay? Things don't always work out to your your plan, right? Right? You, you, You have an agenda, you have a plan, and those don't happen. One day, you woke, you woke up and you're like, I'm ready to go to Lewiston, and the car won't start. Or you have a flat tire. Or you argue in the, you, you argue before and you say, that's it, I'm not, my dad would turn around the car as quick as that if we started arguing. Anybody else there? That's it, we'd have something fun and we'd be arguing. My dad's like, he took that, that Astro van and went, and it does a U-turn like that. That's the only Chevy vehicle that turns on a dime. Trust me. Okay? In fact, I let someone in college drive that van for a second, and my friend, he said, man, that Chevy turns on a dime. It does. But he would go as quick as he could. That's it. You're going to your rooms. You're done. See? I'm just letting you know how messed up we were as kids. But I don't care if you've been a Christian your entire life. I don't care if you were born in a pew literally that we need to be reminded how good God is because life has a way of interrupting that truth. We can say, I know God's good, but look at this. I know God's good, but I lost this. Or someone died that I didn't want to. Someone didn't, and, and, and I'm like, you're right. Life is horrible. Life's ridiculous, right? Or am I too bold? Okay, it is. It's ridiculous oftentimes. And the and, and here's a little spoiler. Until the day that Jesus comes back or until your death, this world is going to get crazier. You're going to wish for times like these. Okay? And that's not, Joel, you're being very pessimistic. I am not a pessimistic person. Okay? I try to see the glass half full. Is that right? Yeah. I try to see if the, the cup of coffee is half full. That's better than no coffee at all, okay? But we are actually in a world that's set at war. And it will not end, it will not be over until Jesus comes back and sets it right. Boom. And it will be forever better. But right now we're in the middle of a battle. And for you Christians, us Christians, we Christians, 
I pray it would be a good reminder that once we were dead in sin, but Christ made us alive. Christ did. Now, for those of us who are not Christians, I'm going to give you an out. I just, just, I only want you to consider Jesus. Because I used to not be a Christian, and I thought, I don't buy into this garbage. That's what I said. But I'm a Christian right now, so anything's possible. But for those of us who are on the fence with God, I pray that this would be a moment to return. A moment to return. That maybe you're a prodigal son or daughter. Jesus had a story. We're not going to read it, but the prodigal son ran away and squandered the money. What happened when he realized he was an idiot? He came back to his father. What did, he, what did the father do? Does anybody remember? Bible scholars. What did the father do? Did he go like this and go? Did he say, come here? Come hither, my son. No, he said, no. He ran out and he met the son. Put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. Put a robe around him. And he killed the fattened calf. Not the really thin one. I mean, this is the good steak. If you're a vegetarian or veterinarian or whatever, if you're one of those, I'm sorry, but when when God says there's going to be a feast, there's going to be some kind of meat. Amen? Yeah, okay. Some of us are like, I don't even know if I'm supposed to say amen on that one. And that is the story of the gospel. That God doesn't come back and go, come to me, my child, and I'll you get better and come back because you're an idiot. No, he does not do that. He runs out and meets you and changes your life. But for all of us, I pray that there is an invitation. I'm offering an invitation. In other words, God is extending an offer. And the offer is no matter where you're at with God, He's offering a real-life relationship with Him that changes your life forever. And I mean forever. From now till, well, till forever. And don't answer this out loud, but I want you to think, what else in the world can, can offer you that kind of promise? And if you can find it, go for it. But you know what? You're going to keep looking because you're never going to find it. And last time I checked, and I, the older I get, the more people, are, you know, have, I've had to go to more funerals. Because when I was younger, I thought I was going to live forever. But the reality is that's not true. And if everyone faces God on judgment day, I don't want to go in front of God the Father on my own goodness. Does anybody want that? Not me. I want someone that has paid the price for me, that represents his goodness, and that's Jesus. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the gospel story. And the gospel story in the Bible is represented in four chapters. There's a lot of chapters in the Bible, but you can sum it up into four separate chapters. Chapter 1 is called creation. Everybody say creation. Creation represents life. It's, it represents how God really intended my life and your life to be. He created your life to be perfect. He created your life to be good. He, he created your life to be joyful, happy, peaceful. Uh, you know, if there's, there, there was no flooding, there was no tornadoes, there was no earthquakes, there was nothing. It was perfect. And when you open up the Bible to the very first page, go past all the table of contents and all the help that you have in your Bible, and you go to Genesis chapter 1, what you find is you have a scene of a guy, we'll call him God because he is God, but you have it's almost like a painter with a blank canvas. 
and he's able to put anything on that blank canvas that he does. And I, I, he's not like Bob Ross. Bob Ross is good, but God, the painter, is perfect. And he made everything perfect. The world was perfect. Mankind was perfect. Animals were perfect. The lion could lay down with the lamb and that kind of thing. And now, you know, you could walk around and you can you could touch a cougar and you're not going to get bitten. I don't recommend that these days. See, if God created on day six mankind and he said it was very good, that means you're not an accident. You're not a whoopsie daisy. Right? I've had... I've had people say, man, we had kids when we were in our 20s, and then when I was 40, whoopsie-daisy. I'm 42. If I had a newborn right now, I might go to Lewiston and just go hide out and nobody can find me. No, I would not do that. But holding a newborn at 42 would be different than holding him at 25, right? 25 was hard enough. But 42, I'd be like, that's hard. But... You're not a whoopsie-daisy. Nobody here was an accident. You all were created by God on purpose. So you know what You know what chapter 1 tells us, really? That you were created on purpose and for a purpose. You're not just accidentally floating around like, my mom and dad, it was, they, th- they always told me I was not this or that or the other thing. And I told you this a few weeks ago. I'm a twin, and I was the unplanned child. True story. They did not know they were having twins until, whoops, hey, uh, Mrs. Bremer, you have another one. She's all ready to, she's all ready to get home, go home and get ready, and then, whoopsie-daisy, here I am. But they never said that, but I always kind of felt, you know, they had planned on having one nine-pound baby, but they had two small babies. And I was even the smaller twin, right? I'm a little taller than my brother now, so, and, you know, a little rounder than him. No, I don't know who's rounder, me or him. We'll see the next time I see him. But um, when he was in the Air Force, I was always the more round one. He was in shape because they made him. But I learned from on day one of being a Christian that God created me on purpose and for a purpose. Aren't you glad? See, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says this. The, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils. I find that awesome. That's awesome. And the man became a living person. What that really means for you today, like that's, this is thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. What does that mean to me today? That means that God is still here to give you true life, abundant life. Jesus said himself that I've come to give you life and life to the full, right? How many of us have read that scripture and you feel a little guilty because you don't feel like your life is to the full? Okay, you barely make it to bed at night without weeping, right? You're like, oh, this is horrible. No, he came to give you life and life to the full. That's exactly what God does even to this day. How many of us need the life of God breathed into you? I do. I do. See, the God of the universe, he breathed life and he created into the living, into the man and he became a living person. How You guys, right now, all of us, we have situations where God needs to breathe life into it. He doesn't take broken things and kind of mend them a little bit. He makes them brand new. He makes them brand new. That you're not, you don't, you're not all duct tape up and you don't have, you're not limping. I'm a Christian and I'm barely making it by, the, I'm just barely making it to God. No, he made you brand new. 
You don't have to limp into God's presence. The people in the old, I'm talking about the old, old hundreds of years ago, they, they felt like if they limped, that if they hurt their leg and they were limping, for, this, I'm limping for God, I'm broken. They, they felt that they had to physically remind people that I'm just a humble little broken man and a broken shell of themselves. And they used to like limp around. Like if, if my knee was feeling good, I'd go, okay, hey, hit me in the knee right now. Just right in the kneecap, just whoop, right there. And now I'm more holy. Like it was really ridiculous. Because it's like, no, he made your life brand spanking new. Just like a baby. That's the gospel story. That is the gospel story. And you were created to walk in beautiful and authentic relationship with God the Father. I've had people in my life talk to me and say how much they've wasted their lives. Well, I had this planned, and I had this planned. And there's nothing wrong with goals and plans. When I was in high school, I took this little test. You, you guys take the test, and it's like a job placement test. Like, hey, you're going to be an astronaut. That was not what mine ended up being, trust me. I wasn't good enough in math. Or I'm going to be, I'm going to be a doctor and a lawyer. No. Or I'm going to be a pastor. That wasn't even on there. I, I, I'm going to be whatever. I'm going to be... I'm going to go to work at a circus and clean up doo-doo, right? Fine, that was mine. But, you know, that was like when I graduated, the moment that I took that little tassel and put it over on the other side or however it goes, one way or the other, I was supposed to know everything about my future. And every time that I started doing things that I had planned, it never quite worked out that way until I realized that I was created to walk in beautiful and authentic relationship with God the Father. And if that's my life, and I go to work, and I honor God at my work, it's like the old saying in the old bumper sticker, my boss is a Jewish carpenter, Jesus. He's more than that, but that's what it says. Okay? If he is my ultimate authority in my life, and I live for him, and I listen to him, and I do the things that he's telling me to do, and I live... And I, and I say the things that he's telling me to say to people, then I, my life is a success. Because that's why we were created. We were not created just to exist and do the things that only we want to do. He created us to be in right relationship with him. Chapter 1 ends and it introduces chapter 2. Chapter 1, if you're taking notes, chapter 1 was how God intended life to be. Chapter 2 Everything's screwed up. You guys go back in time for a moment in your mind. Do you remember the day that you screwed up the very first time and you changed your, your life went backwards? You're like, that was just yesterday. Then we need to deal with it. You can deal with it today. Okay? But in chapter 2, it's called the fall. And the fall, right here in the story in chapter 2, there is drama. There is tension. There is, there is conflict. And have you guys who are readers, have you ever listen to an audiobook. Like in the audiobook, they always add a little bit of music in the background, right? And it's, I mean, it's really, it's kind of words, kind of cool. Um, but chapter two would go and the person would say, chapter two, the fall. And there would be music. There'd be dark music playing. There would be music that's going, okay, there is something going to happen here. And it's called the fall. Right here in the story, we're introduced to a thing called sin. Now, we've, how many of us have ever heard about the word sin? Okay. Yeah, of course you have. Sin 
and if you've been in a church, you've probably heard this too, where it came from is an archery term. Any archers here? Anyone that's ever used a bow and arrow? Right? No? Sixth grade camp. He did? Good job. I need to teach me how to do it because sixth grade camp, I pulled back the bow and I went like that and the arrow went. And it sinned. It was sin because the goal in everyone's life is that you would hit in, in that kind of thing, is that you would hit the bullseye. If I'm going hunting with a bow and arrow, I don't know why you wouldn't just get a gun or you'd go to the store and get meat. But anyway, you pull the thing back and you want to hit the thing right in the heart. You don't want to hit it in the ear. You don't want to miss it. Like when I go hunting, the few times I've gone hunt with my grandpa, I shot a few times. I missed a few times. I'm 0 for 2 because I wasn't wearing these. That's my excuse. But um, but that's what sin is. God made the mark. He made the rules. He set the agenda. And every time that we do something different, the arrow goes, that's sin. That's sin. And sin brought into the world death and destruction. And it breaks the heart of God. Why does it break the heart of God? Because sin separates us from God. Now, I can't, I, 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 I'm trying not to over-dramatize this, but I have to, in a sense, that when you are living for yourself and you're not a Christ follower, you have not received the free gift of salvation, I, it's not me saying it, trust me. Because some places you go to, they think, no matter who you are, you're, you're saved. Okay, ah, whatever, I could just live like that. No, 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 you have to receive the free gift of Jesus Christ, your Lord. Okay? If you're not, if you're in your own world and you're living for yourself and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, it separates you from God. And Jesus talked about hell as a real legit place. And some people don't believe in it, but the Bible teaches it. Jesus taught it as a real place and it separates us from God. But that doesn't have to be the end of your story. See, why does sin break God's heart because he he so badly wants relationship with you that he's willing to give up his son to die for us and yet sin separates us from God Romans 6:23 and I'll say Romans 6:23a because there's two parts to this verse for the wages of sin is what death all right for the wages of sin is death. What does that mean? It means that you paid whatever you've earned. You get your paycheck. Okay. I've lived my life and I've sinned, I've sinned, I've sinned, and I stand right in front of God. What does he hand me? Does he hand me a check for a million dollars? No, he gives me what I've earned, death. That's my paycheck. Now, if I don't show up to work tomorrow, I don't get paid. And then my paycheck's going to be little. But if I go to work, and I do my job, and I do what I'm told to do, I can get to the end of the week, or the end of, uh, it's bi-weekly, or bi-monthly, not bi-weekly, bi-monthly, and I get a little fancy little paper that I get to sign and give to the bank. Okay? That's my wage. That's what I've earned. Now, what's the way, we'll talk about the rest of it, because the wages of sin, the way, it's your punishment. If you have not said yes to Jesus Christ, death. Death. It's horrific. See, and this will explain a lot in your world, that sin brought death and destruction. Right? 
Chapter 1 brought us life. Chapter 2 brought us death, destruction, and separation. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that does not have to be the end of your story. And I'm pleading with you. Anyone here that doesn't have a right relationship with God, in a moment, you're going to get the real gospel story that it's the good, it's better news than, it's better than good. I, we call it good news gospel. It's, that's incomplete. God, good, it's, it's the greatest news of all. Like there's a few things in my life that's good news. I got married. My, somebody married this guy. And then we had a child, you know, a few years later. I graduated high school. That was good. I graduated college. That was a goal of mine. I did that. I moved here, did that. Uh, the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. That was a lifelong dream of mine. It might never happen again. But watch out, this year it might. Just, just throwing that out. But it was a lifelong dream for the Seahawks to go to the Super Bowl and win it, and they did. And it was like we were at your guys' house, and we were having almost like a revival at your house. It was so amazing. But even better than that, this doesn't have to be the end of the story. This does not have to be the end of the story. See, in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 3, and I, I, how many of us, how many of us love snakes? How many of us think snakes are disgusting? You guys are real Christians. Do you guys, when you're on a walk and you see a snake, does it make you jump? Make your heart kind of beat a little fast? Even a little gardener snake. I am, a, a sissy when it comes to snakes. I look at them like, ah! I, I hate it. Blame it on my mom because she was definitely afraid of it. But I love the pic, the image of Satan in Genesis chapter 3. He's seen as a snake. And I hate the little tongue that goes, it's just, oh, it gives me the little heebie-jeebies, you know, it's horrible. But, um, oh, and sin opened the door to evil. That will explain some things in, in, the, in our world. But, it says this, now the serpent was more crafty. He was smart. Some people think the devil is stupid. He's smart. He knows exactly where you're weak at, and he's going to mess with you in your weak spot. That's why you need to rely on Jesus. That's why you need to rely, God, I need your help. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. The serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. See, later the Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. When I was a kid, we used to watch cartoons. There was a little angel on the shoulder on this side. There was a little cute little devil on that side. And he just went, poke you. It's worse than that. If you're married, guess what? The devil wants to destroy your marriage. If you're a husband, he wants you to turn you from being a really excellent husband to being a joke of a husband. He doesn't, he, he wants to distract you. He wants to, if you're a, a parent or a grandparent, he wants to destroy that relationship. If you're an employee, he wants to destroy the relationship between you and the company or you and the boss. If you own a company, if you own a business, he wants to destroy the relationships with you and the people that you hired. If you're even alive, he wants to destroy you. If you have joy, one day you have joy and peace. You're like, I'm doing great. He wants to go up there and he wants to get rid of that. And if you let him have it, he'll have it. But you have the authority over that. See, he's crafty. He's smart. Genesis 3, 1 goes on. He said to the woman, the devil speaks to her, and he still does this to this day.
And for those of us who kind of laugh at this part of the story about the devil, he's real. I've encountered him. Okay, and I'm not making that. I don't make it up stories to do it. I, I I've had it, and I had the authority over that in my life. And he he left. He f- fled. And I haven't been oppressed like that ever since. But he still does this today. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? See, he's sowing seeds of doubt. And I'll be very clear with some of us here. Some of us right here, there are seeds of doubt. Like, I think everything that Pastor Joel is saying is baloney. There are times when I am saying baloney in my life. You can ask my wife. Right? I'm a guy. We just embellish stories. <laughs> the only thing, uh, Jesus is good, and I really, 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 really love you. That's not embellishing it. Okay, and I really, really, really love you. Thank you. I know. But it's true. But the devil wants to sow seeds of doubt to any one of us, even especially if you've been in the Bible for 20 years. And he'll start questioning, did God really say that? In other words, what he's really saying is, did God really make the rules? Did he make the rules? And is it okay to make our own rules? How many of us like board games? Okay. There's a little thing called house rules, right? When I go to your house and play a game, you make your own rules a little bit. You change it up a little bit. There is a classic game that most of us ruin by doing house rules. It's called Monopoly. Now, there's two kinds of people in this world. There's Monopoly lovers and Monopoly haters. There's no middle ground. How many of us love Monopoly, that game? How many of us absolutely hate and can't stand Monopoly? You're really Christian. Okay? Because, and I've said this before, when I use this analogy, I can go to it. I've made someone cry because of Monopoly. I mean, okay, I've, we, how many times have we ever played Monopoly in our household, the three of us, and we quit in the middle of it? Every single time. Have we ever finished a Monopoly game? Hayden, Hayden, you have, but when I'm in there, I promise you, we've never finished it. One of us leaves mad. Is anybody else there? We've, like, like, we don't even know if we're married anymore. But, one of the reasons what one of the reasons why is because everybody including me has house rules. I first played Monopoly when I was a kid with my friends and if the Monopoly takes you days, you're playing it wrong. Okay, we used to play it over weekends, the same game. You're playing it wrong. Okay? How many of you guys know on the top of the picture there is a free parking spot? How many of us know what that is? You know what that is? What's the point of free parking? Does anybody know? How many of you guys Here, here's a question. How many of us how many of us um you, when you land on something, you owe money, you put it in the middle. You, you're still going to heaven, but you need to repent. <laughs> that is not where the money goes. That's, I know, it's re- revolutionary. Some of us are going to have to play this. And, and how many of us, when you're on free parking, you land there, you get the money. That's where the fighting starts. True story. Because every, the person who lands on it is so happy. They're, they're like, let's, hey, like if Hayden lands on he goes, hey, can you put on some worship music? I'm really happy right now, right? And I'm like, no, that's stupid. Now you got like thousands of dollars and I'm not, I have nothing. Free parking is, guess what? It's free parking. You just land on it without doing, you, you don't have to pay anything. You don't have to take anything. It's free parking. It's just a space to land so you don't owe anybody anything. If you really want to win, 
really quick. Get Boardwalk and the other blue one, whatever it is. What is it called? Park, Park Place. Thank you. You really know your, your Monopoly. But if someone lands on Mono- if someone lands on Park, a Park Place or one of them, you offer them top dollar. When you take that thing, all they have to do is land on it once and they're gone. And then the fighting starts. But that's beside the point. But the point is, is that we ruin the game by making house rules. Parker Brothers, they knew what they were doing. And every single one of us has house rules that we change the intention of the game and we mess it up and we start arguing, we start fighting. And that's what life is like. People in life, we actually make our own rules. God set the rules. He set the standard. And you know what his standard is? Perfection. I I do not want to judge. Thou shalt not judge her. You will be judged yourself. But you and I are not perfect. Am I right about that? Am I right about that? Like, It's because God makes the rules and we decide to make our own rules. That's what sin is. So my question is, what will you do about sin? Aiden, can you bring that ladder over here? What will you do about sin? Just put it right here. See, I'm going to climb on the real side because that would... Huh? Yeah, this this ladder is like 50 years old, but whatever. You know what we do when we're going through life? We try to be, we do the moral morality ladder thing, trying to get to God. I'm going to be a good husband, which is a good thing, by the way. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna go to church, which is a good thing, by the way. Wink, wink. I'm going to a prayer meeting. I'm not gonna go any farther than that. I'm gonna I'm going to go to I'm gonna to go to small group on Wednesday at seven o'clock. Hold on, let me get a big step. No, I'm you. You start doing all this stuff, this good stuff. That's nothing wrong with it. But we try to earn our way to God, right? We try to take little steps here, or giant steps. From here to here, and I'm going to hurt myself. Because we think that if I could just do enough, my conscience will be clean. How many of you guys have a conscience? I hope that you're saying yes. I have a conscience, and oftentimes when I think about something, or I say something, or I, I'll have an argument, whatever, and, and it's like my conscience is bothered. If you don't have a conscience that's bothered here and there, there is a problem. But if you have a conscience, you like, and, and we try to do things to try to even a little bit. We're, we're, our, our fallen flesh is wired for that. Try to make it even. If I'm a horrible husband or a horrible father, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to overcompensate by doing better. Like, if I've been horrible to Hayden, guess what? Well, I'm going to go, usually I'm going to go buy him stuff. Hey, you want a PS5? I mean, I mean, I'll enjoy it too. So I'm going to buy him a Christmas present just because, because I want it. But, you know, but like, we overcompensate for things. I'm going to go to church, really. I'm going to go to church five times a week. But what are you going to do about sin? The bad news is we still fall short. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how much you go to church. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how much you read your Bible. The moment you get to God, if you're in your own, if you're on your own, He's going to say, "Depart from me. I never knew you." Why? Because He says, "Perfect." You you can't be perfect. 
It's not about your blood, sweat, and tears. It's about the blood, sweat, and tears of Jesus Christ. Because he needed something perfect, someone perfect. And the only one to fall, I mean, there was no one even close. Jesus is perfect. Did you know that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, yet was without sin? That's difficult because, you know, I was tempted when I was a kid, little kid. And I was like, I'm pulling my sister's hair. I, I'm, you know, our little cassette player in our van. Like, I'm going to put things in there and see what my dad does. They don't come out. My dad about blew up with that one. But anyway, I would too. But but it's not about that. See, Jesus, God, he sent Jesus in chapter 3 is the cross. Good Friday is the cross. Sin had to be dealt with. You are not holy enough. I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Because I'm not holy enough. I'm not perfect enough. I'm not righteous enough. I've got to have somebody else pay that price. That's the gospel. That's the good news that Jesus did. Jesus paid the final price. Jesus said, it is finished. God wants a relationship with you, like chapter one relationship. In chapter three, he actually made a way. Three days later, after death, he proved he was Messiah, King, Son of God. He proved it. If he would have just went to the grave and we can go visit his bones, he would just have been a martyr. You can go to Muhammad's grave. You can go to Joseph Smith's grave. Guarantee, I I promise you, you can go to Joseph Smith's grave. You could go to Muhammad's grave. You could, all those people who came and said they were, they were the way to God or they were, they had the path to relationship with God. Every single one of them died, including Jesus. There was only one that came back to life. Joseph Smith is still dead. Last time I checked. Muhammad's still dead. They're all dead, except for Jesus. Finally, chapter four, the empty tomb. The empty tomb. He overcame death, hell, and the grave. That's why I like the song Over Overcome that we sang earlier. He overcame death, hell, and the grave. That means that death is not the end. How many of us have known anybody to pass away and you've had you've had a uh, funeral and that kind of thing? Um, I had a I did a funeral of a friend of mine right here, and I know he's in heaven. Frank, Frank Zimmer, I've done more than that, but that's the one that I did a year ago, a year and a half ago. And uh, coffins wide open. I mean, it's, I, I was curious how they, they did a good job, but I was like, the first thing I thought was, he's in heaven. He's not right here. His body was here, but he, his spirit was soaring. He was healthy. He was free. He was running around. He was laughing. He was joking. He was, I know Frank. Because Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave, anyone that's in that position right here at a funeral, or you've ever seen one, that if they're in Christ, if they're in Christ, that doesn't have to be the end of the story. You don't, we had to put Frank's body in the ground. I could go to it today. But the good news, he's not there. He's never seen that grave. We have. 
He's never seen his own grave. He never will. Why? Because he's with Jesus Christ. Because, because Jesus lived, we can live forever. And so my question as we close this, what will you do about Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Even if you're a Christian, this is an important thing. Because if you're a Christian, you know the free gift. You've heard that before, but you still. You, the devil's a liar. And you go, okay, you know, if I can, if I can go to that prayer meeting, if I can fast, you know, it's, Jan, it's January and the church is fasting, maybe I should do that with them, and maybe I can get God's, I could be on good, God's good graces. It's like, that's a lie. Will you do that with Jesus? Will you try to earn your way? Or will you lift up your hands and surrender to God and say, I can't do it. I can't do it. The good, that's the good news. The bad news is, you know, we, we understand something very true. If, it was, if we could do it ourselves, we already would have. Because you tried to be good enough. When I was a kid, once I realized, once I was a teenager, Hayden's age, I tried to, I tried to be the good son. I, I, was the, I was the twin that the one teacher said I was the evil twin. Anybody, you're a twin. Did you get called the evil twin or were you the good twin? Right? You were the good twin. You were the evil twin. I had a teacher literally, I had a teacher literally tell me that. Bad teacher, yeah. No, that would be bad. Um, but am I going to lift my hands and surrender? Romans 6.23, I'm back in that verse and we'll be done. Romans 6.23, we read, we read, um, For the wages of sin is death. There's one truth. But, everybody say but. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God. What gift? Free. You can't earn it. You can't earn free. That's ridiculous. You know that $100 free gift right there? No. That free gift of God is eternal life. How? Through Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, I pray there would be everyone in this room and everyone that's watching online a moment of clarity, a moment that you are showing up big time in our, in our mind and our heart. And I pray even as we go out of here and we do what we need to do, we, we have our meals and we, have our, we enjoy the day, we go have some fun, we go find a family member, whatever, I pray there'd be a moment of clarity in our mind, in our heart, that you are real. Jesus, you are alive. Jesus, you are raised from the dead. And if you're alive, you can make me alive forever and ever and ever. And death does not have to be the end, but death is a doorway to eternity. And we will spend eternity with you forever. God, I pray there'd be no one in this room that would leave this place, not knowing if they're going to heaven. I pray that all of us would leave this place confident knowing that we're going to heaven, not because of our good graces, not because of what we've done, not with our good looks or the way that we dressed up today or combed our hair, but it's only through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you that we have a free gift, that the wages of sin is death. That's bad news. But the good news is that you made a way. You made the way. You made the only way, and that's through Jesus Christ. So we receive him right now. We say yes to Jesus as we go. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Before you leave, just say, everybody, just say to someone, hey, happy Resurrection Sunday, and tell them that you love them, because that's important.
Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.